0: got to start off, well, I'm very happy to start off by thanking my current school, Akeley Wood near Buckingham, for letting me come here today. Many a school would not have done so, or would have done so in such a punitive spirit that I would have lost all appetite for going. So, many thanks, Dr. Grundy, and yes, I will write it up for the school magazine. <laughs> um, I've been very interested in what I've heard, um, and I'm not going to go against the prevailing tide at all. I'm actually going to start with an anecdote. Um, New Year's Eve, 1959, going over into 1960. It was the first time I was allowed to sit up for New Year. I was 12, shortly to be 13. My father was up in Scotland visiting his family. My younger sister was in bed. <coughs> so my mother and I were living like ladies, and very nice it was. But she gave me permission to stay up for New Year, provided I would sit very quietly. That was no hardship at all. These days I would want a bottle of wine to go with it, because in those days just a cup of Nescafe was sufficiently exotic. And I read through an anthology that had recently been handed out at school, a book called Fresh Fields, which was suddenly in print until quite recently, and which contained Owen's poem Miners. I happened fairly recently to have read Richard Llewellyn's How Green Was My Valley, which was in the older section of the children's library to which of course I was still confined. So at that moment I was madly keen on things Welsh. So the subjects and the name attracted me. I found out later, of course, how tenuous was Owen's connection with anything Welsh. And although I didn't fully understand the poem, I didn't actually fully understand the transition from coal mining to laying mines in war, it seized me. And of course it must have been mostly the sounds and the images that seized me, since I knew nothing about Owen, very little about the First World War at that stage, and, as I say, didn't fully understand the poem anyway. I wish that it were possible more to teach poetry through its sounds. I try to do it from time to time, but it's something so foreign to the majority of school children, particularly if they haven't been taught by you in earlier years, but sometimes they wonder what's what's going on it's far easier unfortunately to lapse back to teaching things like themes anyway so just as the 1960s dawned i discovered one poem by wilfred owen and in those days he didn't feature on the school syllabuses it was about to start happening the vietnam war was obviously one factor and that was after my time that was after i moved on to university, but Also, of course, there was Britain's War Requiem in 1961. Um, There was um, DSR Welland's Critical Study of Owen, which I think was the first full-length one, which came out in 1961, and which was easy enough to be read by a literate 14-year-old. There was, of course, John Terrain's series, The Great War, and Surtled Lewis's edition of the poems, which came out in 1963, as did Harold Owen's Journey from Obscurity. When I first discovered Owen, he was very underrepresented in criticism. And there was no biography, of course, until Professor Stallworth is some years later. So it was a kind of treasure hunt. I didn't actually realize that the poet was still in print. I didn't discover that till about two years later. So it was a treasure hunt finding old poems of Owen's in anthologies. The Stretton Public Library was turned inside out by me, and I joined several other suburban libraries to find other anthologies. So there was the excitement of the chase. It means I read the poems in no sort of order, and I don't think my critical faculties were well enough developed to see, for instance, how much less sophisticated and subtle your chair decorum is than Miners, which was lucky enough, which I was lucky enough to find, first of all. But <coughs> over about two or three years until I discovered that the collected poems were still in print, I think I read all of Owen's poetry. The thrill of excitement. And gradually, of course, beginning to be able to recognize that some of the excitement of the sound came from those half rhymes, which I hadn't initially noticed because in fact they um, aren't in all of the poems. They aren't in *Dulce de for instance. I never studied any of them at school. I certainly would have liked to, but it never came my way. I also have to say that even at that period, when I think perhaps school children were less cynical than jaundiced, most of the things i studied for O-Level were very efficiently killed by O-Level. It's taken me about 30 years to come around to Brighton Prejudice. Um, I've, I've had to be in well advanced into middle age to see the beauties of that. Um, I remember enjoying Henry V, however, so I do endorse what Professor Stallworthy says about coming to war poetry via the fields of Court. So my first experience of studying Owen, formally, has been indefinitely postponed. I didn't do it at university either. In this august institution in those days, the English undergraduate course finished in 1900. And in fact, the option I chose finished in 1660. So, short of an essay which I do remember writing on the wall poets for my um, entrance examination, Uh, they never featured in my Oxford life. My first experience of teaching them was at a college of education in the early 70s. And looking back, I think I was at that stage, though I haven't been since, prey to the historical um, fantasy. I tried to present it very much as a narrative of um, illusion and disillusion, uh, which was the way most critics, insofar as they mentioned the war poets, were still treating it at that stage. Then I took time out to Family and didn't get back to teaching until the late 70s. By which time I encountered the overexposure to exposure phenomenon, some of my students had already done as much as they wanted at school. I went into school teaching in the late 70s, on and off. I had some disillusioning experiences which are not relevant to what we're doing today. I finally found myself at a very civilized Bill's public school. Um, where I stayed for nearly 20 years. And with the arrival of GCSE, which few of us I suppose, would now think of as the dawn of a golden age, with the dawn of GCSE at least came the all coursework options and the freedom to design your own syllabus. Now, however that may or may not have been abused in some schools, it certainly wasn't abused in mine. They were the most exciting teaching years of my life, those years, perhaps seven of them. You could choose your topics, you could choose your texts, you could choose what suited the, the girls, but also lead them on. And the girls on the whole, I must say, had a refined sensibility, which I haven't encountered in schools since. I began to put together my war poets anthology, maybe. and by that time I did know better than to present it historically. I used to present it historically to start with, obviously, with Kipling's For All We Have Are" and The Soldier, and Julian Krentil's Into Battle, and Larkin's 1914, simply because I think those do set a tone and provide a framework. After that, I would treat them very much by favourite authors, themes, and odd single poems. The anthologies published by Brian Gardner, Up the Line to Death, and Ian Hamilton, I think it was, wasn't it, um, in in the late 60s, were a help there. They introduced me to poems that don't feature in the main canon of war poetry, like Walter de Lemaire's Motley, Edmund London's The Watchers. Then also, of course, there was Scars Upon My Heart, which came out. And although I feel that most of the contents of Scars Upon My Heart are of... Historical and feminist, but not literary interests. There are one or two exceptions. Edith Sitwell's for Dancers, the uh, Farge and Easter Monday. I was able to concentrate, really, on the poems as poems. On the sound, on the texture. By the end of the session, I would have most of my students able to write sensitive and discriminating essays on poems they themselves have chosen out of the canon. Only once do I remember a slightly clashing note where one student whose mother was doing an open university degree, brought in an essay which she quite clearly hadn't written herself because we hadn't studied the poems in that particular essay. And it produced all the mainstream cliches about war poetry, uh, which I certainly haven't been teaching. That was the only sour note, I think. Well, as we know, John Major one day got up at the Lord Mayor's banquet and not having as far as anybody can ascertain thought at all or done any homework, announced that coursework was on its way out and would be greatly reduced from now on. Syllabuses became much more prescriptive and to my mind, totally arbitrary. Um, I'm putting you not for your comfort, nought for your desire, as Chesterton said. Over this last eight or nine years, I felt my own enthusiasm, not for poetry, of course, but for teaching it, distinctly fading. I've noticed the students are much less enthusiastic, but I think the straight jacket of GCSE does that to you anyway. Um, at the present, for instance, I'm teaching the OCR, Cambridge and Royal Society of Arts, syllabus for GCSE, which includes an anthology of all poetry. Now this is the, this is the syllabus that a lot of keeping schools use. You would expect it perhaps to be a rather better work than it is. The pre-1914 war poetry section contains, and hasn't put right despite numerous letters from various people, including me, the poem "The Volunteer" by Herbert Asquith, son of course of the Prime Minister. But in this anthology, it's attributed to the Prime Minister and therefore put in the pre-1914 section. This doesn't inspire confidence, but my main <laughs> complaint about it is that it's grouped by theme. It's arbitrary, it does contain spine poems, it contains spring fences and futility. But they're, they're grouped entirely by theme so that very indifferent to my mind poems, like The Deserter by Winifred Amandette's, um Recruiting by E.A. McIntosh, are there because they cover a particular theme. And they're put into neat sections, two on a page, so that you can virtually tell your class, these are the ones that are likely to come up in the exam and those are the two you'll be asked to compare. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately with GCSE, that is practically how you have to teach. It's certainly the way you're expected to teach. One bright light is the aqua AQA, Assessment and Qualifications Alliance, A-level syllabus, which I suspect won't last much longer, but which at present allows and encourages students to read a wide range of first world war literature. Having said that, the questions tend to be very restrictive. They almost always include the phrase, how far is this typical of? Which seems to me to be treating it as sociology or as history, which is not what I want to do. And I would like to deter students from doing it, particularly if they're going to go on to give Guy trouble uh, with those same attitudes. Mm -hmm. However, I was able, with one class to do a very satisfying A level coursework session on Wilfred Owen for which I'm grateful for. In any case I find my rather precocious response to him isn't often mirrored. I find GCSE students are often not ready for Owen, although they're ready for Sassoon. There is more subtlety of Owen, there's a more complicated texture. They respond very readily to Sassoon's directness and his so skill with rhyme although they don't always recognize the irony. They sometimes take things completely um, at face value. I'm beginning to feel that we ought not to go on testing the war poets on GCSE students. To some extent, this is happening anyway, because students study the First World War in year nine, which is the third form to those of you as old as I am or older. they go to the battlefields in that year, but of course at that age, 13, 14, they are too young for most of the war poems. They can respond to the simpler ones in Flanders fields, um, the general perhaps, the ones that don't have ambiguities and shadows lurking in them. After that, I think maybe, and sadly, but for the sake of the poems not being overexposed in this way and not producing that tragic reaction that Guy described I think perhaps it's time to get them out of the GCSE canon, uh, to make them an option at A-level, and I absolutely endorse what Professor Stallworthy said about context and background and other war literature. If governments and qualification authorities and head teachers and all those other people would just leave us alone mm-hmm. and get on with it and let us do what we know about. And on that note, I'm going to bow out. Thank you very much.